0: Scusami, Laura, so di aver esagerato, ma l'idea che tu parta mi fa perdere la testa. È solo per qualche giorno, lo sai? La nostra camera è quasi pronta. Vuoi vederla? No, sono un po' stanca e vorrei fare un bagno prima di partire. Solo un istante, ti prego. Sei come i bambini, non ammetti che ti si dica di no. No.
1: Welcome back to The Bloody Pit. We've got a, uh, a weird little episode here. I am Rod Barnett.
0: I'm Troy Gwynn.
1: And we're just here for a brief uh, check inside the mailbag, mainly because I haven't gotten a regular episode prepped yet, and I'm terrified that if I don't send something out to you people, you're going to run away. You're going to dart away. You're going to find something else to listen to.
0: They'll uh, forget we... us.
1: <laughs> yes, they'll forget us, exactly. <laughs> we can't have that. So um, No, no. Troy and I uh, have rig- have rigged up this thing called the internet, and we're going to go through a few pieces of uh, mail we've gotten for the show. Uh, sadly enough, I, I I I hate to put it this way, Troy. Neither one of them directly, really, directly reference you. Uh, and for that, I apologize. But at the same time, if I don't have somebody to bounce ideas off of, then I just I, I, I can't speak. I, I have to have someone to antagonize or to at least look askance at. And so <laughs> you, you've you been uh, you've been rooked into doing this show. But before we get to the emails, what
0: you're saying is my, what you're saying is I just happen to be home. Right. My my, my, <laughs> my, my name, came up, my, my name came up first on the Rolodex. Yeah. You, you, know,
1: you were the one you're... dumb enough to answer your phone. So there you go. So, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> oh my goodness, no. Uh, the first thing I want to do here is before we go too far, uh, just want to uh, point out that if you ha- if you are unaware, uh, there was a recent announcement of a forthcoming Blu-ray box set coming from Arrow Video that I have I I uh I contributed a small thing to. Now the the box set itself is very exciting because. This is a major move into putting out Italian Gothic films from the 1960s, which is, uh, to be clear, a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's not nearly enough of those that are out there and uh, being made available these days, and it's all part and parcel of uh, some of the, uh, well, I'm wondering if I... I should just go ahead and, and, and point this out as well. I, I recently wrote a, a piece and threw it up on my, uh, my Bloody Pit blog, uh, because I feel that there has been very little attention paid by even the wonderful boutique uh, Blu-ray releasing companies like uh, Arrow and Mondo Macabro and Severin and Vinegar Syndrome and Cauldron and all these others to, uh, to, to, uh, to, a, to a, a genre that I'm just going to refer to as knights and knaves. Um, the uh, instead, of, instead of sword and sandal, <laughs> I'm going to call it knights and knaves. Just because it seems to, uh, I, I came up with a secondary title for it as well, you know, like uh, what swords and armor. Maybe would that be a good? Uh, mm-hmm. That, that yeah. might be a good way to refer to it. I don't know. But the, uh, the the simple fact is, there doesn't seem to have been almost any move to release any of those kinds of films on Blu-ray by anywhere, and I think it's a it's an untapped market. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm well aware that in general those films, uh, you know, your, your 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 knights in armor kinds of stories are generally considered, especially when you put them on screen, as kind of being a bit in the realm of the juvenile. In other words, kind of aiming uh, like like most Robin Hood movies, aiming for a younger audience and therefore would clearly have you know less uh, less of an audience for the buying public out there, even in niche categories like you know the, the kinds of stuff that I'm talking about. When you start talking about um, you know getting really super excited about obscure Spanish horror films coming out and things like that, in general horror genre, that's you know there's more of an audience for that out there. That's kind of built in. Yeah. But I absolutely love these kinds of films, and over the past few years, I've come to realize just how many of them exist and how uh, sometimes I forget about them until I just stumble across another one of them and go oh, man that's so cool and, and you, you know the, the the spirit in which these things are made are in the uh, the same <laughs> the same spirit in which a lot of uh, uh, European cinema, European exploitation cinema that we love so much, Troy, oh, yeah. was made, which is that, uh, oh, there is a series of hits of this type of film? Well, we'll make our own.
0: <laughs> of course.
1: Well, uh, you know, I mean, you know, remember, there were there were big big Hollywood productions like Ivanhoe, Knights of the Round Table, and Prince of Valiant, and stuff like that in the 50s. Right. And, you know, these were big budgeted color spect- spectacles, you know, and and uh, you could even count things like El Cid Kind of in the same in that same category, which you know, talk about a massive film there, right? But the end uh, shot in Spain, by the way, just you know, to get the uh, European bona fides on tap. I'm pretty sure that almost all of uh, Ivanhoe and Knights of the Round Table and Prince of Valiant were shot, you know, somewhere in California, doubling as anywhere else. But <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the joy of these films is 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 uh, I, like I say, I know that there is. Well, fewer pe. There, there are fewer people who are interested in, in owning copies of these or hoping for big badass special edition versions of these movies. But I just wanted to make a uh, a plea, essentially a request for uh, these companies to maybe kind of cast their eye this way. I've been very happy recently because some of the Peplum films are finally starting to make their way out onto video. I mean, Kino yeah. has yeah. been releasing uh, a few of the uh, few of the more obscure ones, and. Yeah. Uh, I'm very happy about that, but you know, this is a kind of to the side and connected kind of thing. It's all these swashbuckling kinds of films, and not just ones where we're talking about knights and, and, and ladies and damsels in distress of that type, but you know, also the ones where you know maybe they're using rapiers and stuff like that. And there's a lot yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I, I put together just a, a quick list of I didn't even count it, but I put together a quick list of you know probably about 15 movies of of interest. From this period and posted it up as part of this uh, thing on the on the pit, and just wanted to make 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 people not aware that you know this stuff exists out there, and sometimes you can find you know really crappy copies of them uh, lurking around on YouTube and things like that. But these movies really deserve a lot more attention. They deserve some some uh, some love being directed their way. It's just mm-hmm. that I'm not sure it's going to happen. Um, I mean. To be honest, I think lots more lots more people. There are ways to get people interested in this stuff, especially in something like uh, 1963's "The Invincible Masked Rider," which is an early Umberto Lindsay adventure film from around the time. Oh, cool. around, yeah, it's around the time in the '60s when he was making a lot of these kinds of movies, and of course, everybody was making, you know, ripoff peplums and sword and you know sword and uh, not sword and sorcery that came later, but the 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 the, the swordplay stuff, you know, uh, before. It kind of died off, with the occasional Hollywood excursion back into it. The, the last really big one there for a good long while was probably something like uh, Excalibur in '81. But the, uh, you know, things like a Knight of a Hundred Faces or the Lion of St. Mark, the Mysterious Swordsman, and that, that that one even goes back to the to the '50s. But the one I saw most recently was from 1959 called Cavalier in Devil's Castle. And, of course, you know.
0: That's <laughs> a great title. I know.
1: With a title like that, how can you say <laughs> no, no? it
0: can't go too wrong, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got to see that. But, you know, other movies like Charge of the Black Lancers and The Black Archer, mm-hmm. "Revolt of the Mercenaries, The Seventh Sword. There's just there's so many of these things out there. And when you start looking into the cast and the people who were behind the camera as well, you start to see how so many of these movies would be just ripe for an audience, especially if they were properly packaged, you know, maybe in double or, you know, double features or something like that. I don't know. But, um, I mean, you know, the Black Duke, I can remember seeing the the Black Duke years ago on a crappy VHS tape. And what drew me to it was not just, you know, that it was rapiers and capes and, Daring mm. Do, but it starred it stars Cameron Mitchell, you know. So oh wow, yeah, yeah. And apparently, it was a film made in color, but the, the version I saw was in black and white. So th- mm. there's you know there's work out there mm. to be done, and there's an audience, I think, mm. for this stuff. Um, but I mean, maybe well, I'm wrong though. Who knows?
0: Well, I'm, I'm hereby appointing Arrow to uh, it, uh, to appoint you the curator of the of a box set uh, <laughs> of on such an <laughs> endeavor. Sound like you're the man to man for the job there. To
1: so, and your work here is done. Thank you, Troy, for being part of the show. <laughs> uh, no, I I don't know that I'm necessarily um, necessarily ripe for a. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to, you know, to shepherd something like that to uh, to fruition. But there are people out there who already have those kinds of jobs. Who I think, if I could just get them interested and convince them that there's a profit to be had. Oh boy! Mm-hmm. I guess a lot of it may settle into how well this uh, Gothic Fantastico set that I began talking about uh, does on the market for Italian yeah, tales of terror. You know, finally moving into the Gothic here. Um, right now, of the four films, I uh, all, my contribution to this set is uh, an essay about one of the movies that's going to be in the uh, the book that comes along with the uh, the box set, which okay. Is, is, is fantastic. I'm very I'm very happy to be a part of this, and I have to admit I'm a little a uh, little app- appalled when I realize who the other writers involved are, because you know I I am not worthy to be alongside <laughs> some of these folks. Holy crap a moly! Uh, I mean R- Roberto Roberto Curdy, Rob Talbot. Hmm come on. I mean, Kimberly Lindbergh's Jerome Reuter. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, glad, <laughs> glad to be there, but, uh, I'm going to lurk over here in the corner while the rest of y'all get the drinks, because I am really kind of trooped out by this, uh, but,
0: uh, nah, nah, don't, don't say yourself so short, man. I think you, I think you belong in that exalted company there. So, um, I, I,
1: I'm glad, I'm glad you do, but, uh, I don't, I don't really, but, uh, like I say, the four films are, uh, very interesting. I, these, Maybe the first time these movies have ever been brought to Blu ray. I'm not positive. Uh, the first one is Lady Morgan's Vengeance, which is the one that I'm least aca- uh, acquainted with. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I've seen it under a different title, but uh, lots of neat extras on there. It does involve Erica Blank. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, it's sold already. Well, <laughs> Erica Blank is really really kind of an amazing cast uh, when you when you when you look at it uh, Gordon Mitchell, Erica Blank, Paul Mueller who you might know yeah. from a lot of different uh, 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 and, uh I'm sorry, just Franco, Franco films.
0: Yeah, Franco films, right.
1: And, yeah, 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 and it's uh the the director's Massimo uh, P- uh Pupillo, I hope I am pronouncing the The man's name properly, and that's the man responsible for it, the bloody pit of horror in 1965. Yeah. So uh, you know, I owe him a little bit <laughs> for no yeah, other reason. Dude. But he also made uh, Terror Creatures from the Grave, which is you know Barbara Steele horror film,
0: and uh, yeah. Django oh, Kills yeah.
1: Softly, and a few others. But um, the uh, oh oh, and oh, oh, the second film in the set, Troy, we're, we we've we've covered it here, uh, we've covered it well, yeah. we covered it over on the Nashi Cast. Uh, the Blancheville monster.
0: I know. That's the one I'm really excited about. That just totally snuck up on me uh, when this set got announced that they were, you know, that I had no idea that there was a print worthy of release. I mean, I can't wait to see how it looks, you know, to see what they found yeah. because yeah, you and I covered it uh, not, not too awful long ago on beyond, on a beyond Nashie, I think. And, and, uh, and I remember us lamenting like, boy, this, we'd love to be able to see this movie and actually see, you know, actually uh, rather than this print that we, this kind of, fuzzy grayed out you know whatever you know barely distinguishable print that we're using you know so uh, I'd love to see what they end up uh, what they got a hold of there so uh, I'm
1: just right. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely excited about it because that's that's one that like I say we having covered it recently we're well acquainted with you know yeah. it's qualities and and how you know how up you know uphill a, 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 a climb it will be to, to uh, well, well let's just say what a change it will be to have a really good print of it out there
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Plus,
1: H.D. Yeah. Helga Liné is always Helga, good. I know.
0: Yeah.
1: The uh, the third film is uh, from 1966 called The Third Eye. Uh, a very interesting film, and I think uh, I think they probably it's 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 best to go into to the Third Eye with as little information about it as you can get. And I think they do a pretty good job when they talk about it in the press release. Uh, features a very early role for Franco Nero. But uh, the plot borrows from both Hitchcock, well, uh, it, 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 it's, it's Hitchcock with a, an added dose of necrophilia. How's that feel?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds, yeah, I'm there. I'm there. Sounds like right up my alley. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Now, The Third Eye is actually the film that I wrote an essay about, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it, and I'm, I'm, I can't wait to uh, see what other people think when they finally get a chance to read it. The final film, the fourth film of the set, is uh, generally known as The Witch uh, by Dam- Damiano... Da- Dam- I'm going to mispronounce his name. I hate this. Damn it, Italians. Uh, Damiano <laughs> Dam- Damiani, Damiani. Damiani? Yeah. Uh, also known as... Uh, the direct translation of the Italian title would be The Witch in Love. Um Kind of an I've seen it before. It's a very interesting film. It stars Richard Johnson, who you might know from Lucio Fulci's Zombie and several other films, dozens of them really, and uh, the gorgeous Rosanna Schifferino, who was in a number of movies in her heyday and is well worth checking out. This is this is a very interesting film. It's not. It's 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 a, it's definitely a different kind of film when compared to the other three in the set, but uh, very much a gothic piece and one that uh, it's it's. More than a little interesting, let's put it that way. So I'm very excited to see this coming oh. out. It's, you, you can pre-order it now. It's coming out in October, which would be the correct time to view most of these films, I do think. Gothic Fantastico, or Gothic Fantastico, I wonder. T- fantastico, yeah. Let's go with Gothic Fantastico. I'll pronounce the A. Why not? Uh, four Italian Tales of Terror from Arrow Video coming out later this year. Um, now... Troy, on to the yes. reason we're doing this uh, stopgap episode where we don't talk about a movie. We just discuss a few emails and tout upcoming Blu-ray releases of note. Mm-hmm. Um, one, uh, we had a very busy July. We we uh, Troy and I have been have been uh, wrangled into doing a few more commentary tracks. Neither uh, neither of the two that we're doing can we speak about publicly yet, but right. uh, that is one of the reasons why. Uh, once we have those on the plate. Um, something's got to give only so much time in the day, week, month, and year. And so we've kind of had to slide our schedule around a little bit to, uh, to allow us to record, well, to do the research, to record, to edit, to put, to put together a decent sounding track for these uh, upcoming Blu-ray releases that uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're working on here. Right. And so, uh, um, these are these are things we're working on these are things that will eventually uh show up and be something that you can uh, you can uh, listen to yourself but of course sadly for those you will have to pay money
0: <laughs>
1: uh, you, we, we don't often do that to you now troy troy's <laughs> troy's troy terrible Troy charges for his music but I uh, do. I do. yeah 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 oh how are the bands going by the way I saw you you're really gigging around a lot lately.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got had a had a show uh, with one band or another just about every week, uh, uh, and that's really going to kind of continue for the next few weeks and on into September. Uh, you know, got quite a lot lined up. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, <clears throat> we'll see how long it you know lasts before you know. Hopefully, things won't go bad again and shut down again. You know? But as long as they're on this pace <clears throat> right now, that shows are starting to happen and and uh, it's feeling almost like normal. But of course, with that comes suddenly no free time anymore. You know, so. <laughs> That, you know, then, you know, comes on, you know, went for those couple of years without any gigs, nothing happened music wise. It's amazing how much my schedule opened up. And, you know, now that now I'm starting to get busy with gigs again, suddenly it becomes suddenly I'm I'm finding the other things that come with that, which is like you miss out on a lot of things that are, you know, you would like like to do. Like, you know, always seems to be some kind of really cool other show or concert or something happening on the same night that I'm playing and uh, like oh crap i gotta miss yet another good thing for <laughs> this but <laughs> but but it is really good to be playing again and and finally uh, i think about to finally start picking up on uh, recording you know doing recording sessions again as far as finally getting some more music recorded after everything being shut down for so long so so yeah. that's that's exciting so yeah well
1: cool cool keep us uh keep us informed about that kind of thing uh, we'll do also- we'll do uh, also one, uh, one other thing I would just like to make sure that people are aware that uh, besides the Bloody Pit and the Nashy cast both of which Troy and I uh, participate in I do have a third podcast where luckily I just get to uh, come on and, and play the clown and throw in my two cents worth and someone else edits it into a finished show and that would be uh, Adrian Smith's Wild Wild podcast uh, we've, uh, we're finally working our way through the end of the uh, third season of that show that we've done where we we've been focusing for yeah. this season on uh, Italian crime movies of the nineteen seventies.
0: Cool.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The most recent one is an Umberto Lindsay joint called Free Hand for a Tough Cop, also re- released under the fra- under the uh, the title Tough Cop. Uh, Thomas Melian and uh, it's 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 well it's well worth seeing Thomas Melian who who throughout the entire movie never wears shoes <laughs> he wears flip-flops that's as close to shoes as he wears the entire film it's madness itself
0: now uh, um, aren't y'all worried you're going to run out of films to cover in that genre right there uh, you're like you know well
1: uh, we, <laughs> yes of course How could, it, it, it just might happen no uh <laughs> Now that that is something you could talk about uh, very freely with the, the first season of the show we did, where we focused on uh, Italian science fiction movies, where we uh, we were, we were able to you know where we did ten. Don't get me wrong, uh-huh. but uh, you know if we tried to do twenty, we would have been uh, we would have been up against the wall and trying to stretch the uh, the parameters of what we decide is an Italian science fiction movie. I think, but uh, yeah, with the crime with the crime movies, yeah, eh, I think I think I think we could probably do thirty or forty.
0: Yeah, and maybe cover one maybe cover a couple of months output there for you know uh, yeah uh, <laughs> t-
1: easily, very, very easily.
0: <laughs> but uh,
1: like I said, just wanted to make sure people were aware of the wild wild podcast over there.. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, take a, do yourself a search on the, uh, on the podcast app of your choice and uh, check that show out. Adrian tries really hard to keep me from t- from talking too long, which is very difficult. Uh, so the shows round out at about an hour each time, and uh, maybe you can hey, give
0: me some pointers. <laughs> <No, I'm kidding.
1: laughs> <laughs> yeah, some pointers. Some pointers. How do you make the dumbass shut up? And it's like, <laughs> I, 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 I now that I think about it, I don't think I, I don't think you two need to be talking. I don't think the <laughs> communication between the two of you is uh, is is beneficial for me. <laughs> but uh, we do have a couple of emails. I wanted to uh, uh, do this show to get uh, get these uh, answered on the air, or at least get these ideas out there to a degree. Uh, sadly, the, these are these both of these emails tend to focus on uh, recent episodes that Troy, you were not a part of, uh, and mm-hmm. for that I apologize. But uh night. <laughs> Well, I mean, the 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 funny thing for me is that I just I especially the uh, the email that you're you're going to you're going to read out is one that I just I was like, "Okay, well, there's no way we could talk about this subject without uh, me out without me having Troy talk a little bit about this because this is uh, this is a crazy subject and it's something we haven't talked to, talked much about if, uh, oh, if yeah, at I all agree. on I the agree. podcast before. <laughs> so, uh, uh, go ahead and uh, go ahead and let's get to uh, Kurt our our man in Sumatra's. Yeah, Curt is, is actually,
0: yeah, Curt actually the only man in Sumatra. It's just basically him and a, and a bunch of poisonous monkeys uh, that uh, live on in, in Sumatra here. So
1: as far as um, we know.
0: Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yes, this is from kurt He says, hey, Rod. Notice he No, Troy, there, just, hey, Rod. He says, well, you uh, know,
1: gone. Yeah. He, he, he knows who the boss is. Let's
0: be sure. <laughs> That's right. He says it's Curt, the guy from Sumatra. Uh, love the mechanic cast. So he's obviously talking about the uh, podcast show you did on the mechanic the charles bronson film yep he says that movie was a perennial network tv favorite of mine and an important building block in the development of the downbeat welt that i owe to the steady diet of 70s cinema during my formative years yes that was the time when pessimism early 70s was the time when pessimism was de rigueur there
1: (laughs) yes definitely
0: He says, I hope you invite Mr. Talbot. That would have been your co-host for The Mechanic.
1: Yes, Mr. Paul Talbot, who uh, has written a couple couple of books on uh, Charles Bronson's cinema.
0: Yeah. He says, I hope you invite Mr. Talbot and his charming Baston accent back for more. Baston is what he meant. (laughs) He said it, Baston, his charming Baston accent back for more. And I hope you keep drinking deeply of the Bronson font, uh, (laughs) eschewing the more picked over picks. Ever seen Cold Sweat? Question mark. It features a climactic car chase that approaches a virtual reality experience. Um, <laughs> I've not seen that. Did you do Cold Sweat?
1: No. Uh, I, I hate to say this, but no, I've not seen Cold Sweat yet.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, neither have I, and the way he describes that sounds like something we need to see. But um, He says, but how could you get through an entire Bronson cast, even discussing the resurgence of interest in the man attested to by Mr. Talbot, and not even mention the astonishing career of one Robert Bronzi. Yes, Robert Bronzi. Virtually a one-man cinematic tribute show. Bronzi and his cohorts spare not a wit of the Bronson Ovoir and mystique in their quest for ever more exploitative verisimilitude. Says the Gardener. The Gardener. There's a film called The Gardener. The Gardener is about a mild-mannered arborist who must revive his long-dormant killing skills <laughs> to protect his employer's family from murderous home invaders. And then he has a in quote in quote in parentheses, your ass is grass. <laughs> that must be the blurb. That must be the the movie blurb. <laughs> it says, "Escape from Death Block 13 is self-explanatory. No word yet on whether a helicopter figures in the titular in the titular escape, as I haven't popped this one into the player yet." There's the economically titled western "Once Upon a Time in Deadwood," and uh, yes, as you probably surmised, there is a movie called "Death Kiss." wherein Bronzy plays an embittered vigilante taking out the trash on the streets of New York City. Bronzy even go- even goes places Bronson never did. In Exorcist Vengeance, he's a gun-toting priest who executes a punk in an alley in the first scene before taking on an adversary of a more diabolical nature. He says, uh, Bronzy doesn't speak English too good, so he either delivers lines <laughs> phonetically with a thick Hungarian accent, I guess a la Bela Lugosi, or is dubbed by a voice actor who can who can more closely approximate the Pennsylvania by way of Lithuania tones of Charles Betchinski. He's also that <laughs> rare action star who can't do action. <laughs> says hand-to-hand combat scenes usually consist of a series of painfully slow haymakers and double axe handles as if from an old Henry Hathaway movie. He says he says, "Ah, let us doubly thank Bronson's legendary prolificness. Not only has it left us a deep bench of steely antiheroes, but think of how many more iterations Robert Bronzy and company can produce." And I gotta say, man, this uh, Robert Bronzy is 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 a pretty good ringer for, for Bronson, man. I don't, I don't know. If oh, you it's terrifying. That. Yeah, it is yeah. terrifying. Apparently, his real name is Robert Kovacs. Um, and you know, when you you know, when I first looked at the stills, uh, the uh, attachment. Of uh, pictures that Kurt had put here of a couple of Robert Bronzy films, I seriously thought for a minute that it was was Bronson. Um, you know, because he, yeah, you can see totally what they're thinking. This guy's like pretty much carving out a pretty prolific career based just on, hey, let's, you know, I can see how, you know, I can see the mindset here. Let's do this movie, put this out here, and people, if they're not paying too close attention, will rent it thinking that it's a Charles Bronson film. Uh, but this definitely sounds like something that needs to be. Uh, we need we need to check some of these out.
1: Well, that, that's just it. I have to admit that I've been aware of the uh, the, the bronzy uh, phenomena for years now, and I'm just really
0: see, I, I, it was totally new to me. I had no idea.
1: Oh wow, really? Oh yeah. well, yeah, yeah. No, I I've been aware of it for years, but I've just stayed away from it because they had the they had the smell of you know low budget tripe. But well, well, you know, yeah. honestly maybe low budget tripe is something I need to, 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 to just go with. And I I certainly do on occasion, don't get me wrong, but uh, generally the low budget tripe that I enjoy, you know, is of a vintage uh, much earlier than say the past 10 to 15 years. And, and so uh, maybe I need to kind of readjust my way of looking at these at these things to check one of them out. The, the 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 one in which he plays a priest is definitely definitely the one that I would choose first if they were all lined up in front. Yeah,
0: Exorcist Vengeance. Yeah, it's kind of like what this sounds to me is kind of like it's like a microcosm, where it's like a company like what's uh, what's the company that that does all the ripoff films uh, that are oh
1: uh,
0: crap. It's not a uh, Asylum, is it? Yes, yes,
1: yes. Asylum.
0: It, it's basically like an asylum for Charles Bronson films, is is what it sounds like to me.
1: Yeah, and see the, the asylum. Those movies, you know, like the Sharknado crap, things like that. Is like that, that's why I've stayed away from these, you know, the, right. the bronzy films, because uh, I, I couldn't even make it. I couldn't even make it forty five minutes through Sharknado, and it's like it's. I'm, I'm sorry, it's just not to my taste. These people aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, the Sharknado movies. They're not taking it seriously, and I just yeah. I'm like, if you're not attempting to sell me what you're doing, why the hell should I care? And therefore, I don't. And right. uh, the the asylum stuff, I've I've never I've never dug deeply into it. I kind of I I, I kind of want to just for the 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 joy of it, but it's it's just it seems so. It seems like the the motivations for making the movies are wrong.
0: <laughs>
1: In other words, you know they're not. It's not people who are doing rip-off cinema but are attempting to put their own spin on something trying to do something creative, you know, to take the 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 various elements that they're ripping off and create something new. They just they seem to be kind of uh, you know, guns for hire half-assing their way through a project. And I, you know, I, honestly, like I say the thing with Sharknado was if 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 you're bored, I'm probably bored and they seemed bored. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, uh, okay. Seeing, yeah, the couple of times I've tried to check any of their stuff out, yeah, I've not been, not been, not been very uh, motivated to see more. Yeah, I, I agree. So,
1: well, I got to say their but, their yeah. low budget attempt to do John Carter of Mars is something that I've been very curious about. But uh, you'll you'll, <laughs> you'll notice that was uh, more than a decade ago, and I still haven't seen it. So <laughs> clearly, <laughs> right. clearly not really just you know pining away to check it out either. Oh, uh, by the <laughs> way. Uh, this will, uh, this will be, uh, got out to see Nope finally this afternoon. Oh, did you? Yes. Uh, full, hearty, complete, and total recommend.
0: I'm hearing good things. I really am. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, uh, uh I'm, I'm the person who absolutely loved to get out, uh, thought that us was brilliant, oh, yeah. brilliant until the third act where I felt like he, he kind of stretched his metaphor too far. And kind of really? for me, for, for me, kind of broke the movie to a large degree. Um, okay,
0: I, I've not seen it. I, I really enjoyed Get Out, but I've not seen Us yet.
1: Uh, I'd be curious to have your take on Us. I really, really. I want to
0: see it. I really, I really it's definitely one I've been wanting to check out for sure. There's
1: there's so much good in it, but there, like like I say, it's the it's the third act where suddenly I'm going eh, I was with you, but now I'm not. And I'm <laughs> and but uh, gotta say, nope. Wow. Uh, nice and I was very very pleased to have uh, another excellent role for Michael Wincott
0: I love Michael Wincott Mm.
1: that gravelly voiced bastard he's
0: such a joy I know he's got one of the best voices ever I've always always really liked him so yeah I'm glad he's got a good role in it then I guess last time I saw him was just kind of a small he had a small little cameo in Westworld you know in the first season of Westworld you know playing an old old gunfighter robot or old, you know, but, uh, yeah. um, but I've been always, yeah, I never can get enough of him.
1: All right. All right. One more email here. Uh, we've got, right. uh, uh, this from, uh, Darth Perkins. That's the name he goes by. It's not his real first nah, name. It. No one, no, no one named their child, Darth. I, I promise you, <laughs> or if they did, they haven't written us an email. So there you go.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, now, if, he's young, if, he, if he was born after 1977, maybe some maybe some kids did get named Darth. I mean, you know, you wouldn't think so, but ma- who knows? Ma-
1: ma- <laughs> Hello, my yeah. name is Darth Vader Smith. How are you? <laughs> or, no, it should be even funnier. It should be like Darth Vader Lipschitz. Or
0: <laughs>
1: Darth Vader <laughs> O'Toole. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Let me let me reel that stupid thought back in and try again yep. here. All right. It's uh, he says hello, Rod. Once again, ignoring you completely. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: he says I've just listened to your podcast on the mechanic with Paul Talbot, and I thought I'd share an English perspective on Michael Winner's reputation. See, this was a question that came up from me about. Um, the the kind of generally poor attitude that uh, I've always seen in evidence for uh, Michael Winner amongst film critics. I've never really understood it, considering that I really have liked a lot of his movies, and he's far from... I mean, he's, he's he's definitely a competent filmmaker, someone who knows what he's doing, and he's made a large number of films from, you know, good lord, what, the late 50s through the what, 90s? Mm-hmm. And so I've yeah. never really understood what the, uh, the kind of nose-in-the-air snobbishness about Michael Winner was. So he... Uh, he has some information for me. He says, uh, Okay. Winner was seen as arrogant to most people, flaunting his wealth and opulent lifestyle, but he came from a background where he didn't know anything else. This man did not know where shirts came from. Mm-hmm. A, a cuff got frayed or buttoned loose, and his valet would restock his wardrobe with new ones from his tailor. Okay, well, that, that would explain it. In other words, he's a he's poor little rich boy who comes in and becomes a filmmaker. Okay. That would, uh, I can understand people being, uh, having an attitude okay. for him. That would make sense. He says, uh, he goes on, he says, I interviewed him in 1996 for a magazine I was working for. His film mm-hmm. Dirty Weekend had been refused home video certification, and the term General Tone had been used by the BBFC which was the same excuse as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so I was interested. Incidentally, it was released with almost two minutes of cuts on VHS. Yes, it's that long ago. So I phoned him, and he was very accessible and loved talking about his films to anyone, and he was all ready to do a telephone interview until I mentioned two things. I like the unique way Kersey in Death Wish never got Mm -hmm. revenge on the actual attackers. I still uh. think yeah, yeah yeah I still think this is unique in rape revenge cinema as you and Paul mentioned in the podcast. Winter said this is rarely mentioned by people and then I asked him about why there were three distinct camera setups for Kersey in the scene where his son-in-law informs him his daughter is in the hospital. Well, he was impressed as no one had asked him about that before. Oh. We ended up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, We ended up going out to lunch, then dinner on that same day. Michael was an incredibly film literate man whose knowledge went back to silent days, who could talk about Fellini and Goddard and the advantages of Rembrandt light, lighting. It was hard to grasp that this man also made Bullseye, which features two dogs having sex on a pickup truck. <laughs> well, I suppose that is a little Fellini esque. Yeah yeah, maybe he may maybe right there. Yeah. He says he says, I never did find out why he did those three camera setups. Just because he could, I suppose. Michael also put me in touch with Ken Russell, so if you ever cover the devils, I'll send you my Ken Russell story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you, Rod, Darth
0: Perkins. Wow. <laughs>
1: wow. Uh that may push us to cover the devils. <laughs>
0: yeah well i know you're not in general a ken russell fan but i think you do like that one right i mean i, I do
1: it, like the devils quite a bit yes i, I have a feels- lot of trouble with uh, a number of ken russell's films because i think they're i think they're self-indulgent to the point of uh to the point of losing the th- the, the plot the thread and my interest so mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah yeah the uh I, I, I've kind of put on the back burner my, my, my idea about uh, revisiting some of uh, Ken Russell's movies uh, now that I've gotten older to see if they sit better with me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to do so, I've kind of decided to start, um, start in a place that I think I will find, uh, I find an easier entrance if I'm going to change my attitude toward a lot of Ken Russell's films. Uh-huh.
0: Uh,
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start with Crimes of Passion.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah
1: well i cool. mean it's 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 got you know it's got so many elements that i should like
0: yeah well you know i mean yeah i mean gosh you know tony perkins chewing the scenery is never too, never never bad you know well
1: then you know there, there are a lot of things in that movie i mean you know kathleen turner you know yeah. playing a prostitute yeah. who doesn't actually need to be a prostitute she does it she does it for kicks uh mm-hmm. you know it's it's one of those things that it's like i'll never forget uh the, the thing that kind of cemented my uh, my feelings about just dismissing a lot of Ken Russell's movies, uh, years and years ago, I remember coming in, turning on uh, cable television, and uh, discovering that it was somewhere in, in the middle or near the end of Ken Russell's film, Whore. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. uh, started watching it there with uh, my uh, my roommate at the time, and we he was like, well, what is this? And I looked it up, and immediately told him and they told him what it was and i immediately said but i can predict the next several things that happen." and he says what do you mean he says have you seen this movie i said no i've, I've never seen this film but i can tell you exactly what's going to happen next and i said this will happen next you know 90 seconds later it happened and i said now this will happen and it happened mm-hmm. and then i said and now this will happen probably like this and exactly what i said happened he says, "You've seen this movie?" I said, "No, this is just a shitty script." <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I've seen I've seen that movie one time, and uh, it's been years and years. Uh, I don't I remember that. I, I liked it okay, but obviously, I've never re, re, you know felt an, an urge to resist. I mean, to revisit it. But yes, I am a. I mean, you and I, but we know we differ on, you know, that I am a pretty big fan of Ken Russell. I mean, I don't think he's, you know, one of the world's great directors or whatever, but I do really enjoy a lot of his, his, his films. And, and, you know, and I know that, that we have that differing opinion on that. Now you do, you do like Altered States, right? Or not? Is that not?
1: I love Altered States. I love Tommy, Altered States, and the Devils.
0: Past that, past that, it's a
1: conversation.
0: Right, right. I know you've never been, I know we differ greatly on, I love Gothic. I know, you know, I know you don't like Gothic um I'll,
1: uh no I, I find gothic to be uh, i've tried that movie three different times and it just it, i find it
0: insulting repeat really i just love yeah. it just thinking, I, 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 and i, I think
1: like, Lair of the white worm
0: uh say it, i love it, that it, one yeah it,
1: it, it's it's so tonally all over the place that it's i mean it, it wants you to take it seriously then it wants to be a joke and then it wants you to take it seriously then it wants to be a joke and it's like fucking decide
0: because yeah, but you're you, not, you, you're stone not, you're dildos, not. man. How can you not love the huge, 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 huge stone strap-on dildos? I mean, you know, that, that should have you hooked. Well, see, that's them.
1: actually one of the things about Lair of the White Worm that pissed me off the most. It's like, my <laughs> God, what a rich, rich kind of uh, set of ideas. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's like, it like watching someone have just brilliant ideas presented to them and then watching them just stand there and piss it away. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, look, we could be doing something interesting with this, but what we decided to do is to pretend that we're jokers and jesters, and it's like, oh, fucking hell.
0: Here we go. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, you don't, I mean, there's, you're not going to get too far away. I mean, I mean, even The Devils has some pretty baroque, you know, some pretty high, you know, high, I mean, even as grim as that film is, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's got its share of some, some, you know, almost campy or, you know, just like high, you know, high, uh, you know, Baroque, I guess, is the word. Just, just, you know, some out, really out there scenes and 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 over the top performances and stuff. Yeah, you but know.
1: for some I mean, for some it. reason, the scenes in the in, in the Devils never they never feel like they they never feel like something that breaks the reality of what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Whereas Gothic. You know, it, it, it honestly constantly feels like in Lair of the White Worm too, it honestly feels like everybody's like you know, they're they're editing just before the actors turn to the camera and go, Are you enjoying this? It's like, No, I'm not <laughs> enjoying this, you assholes. Stay on stay on target.
0: <laughs>
1: oh Lord. But you know
0: Well well, you know, I think we you know, I know we definitely agree that you know just a Blu ray release of the Devils is just something that I think we all dream of you know someday you know happening you know it just it's it's you know it never really seems to quite get there you know
1: yeah there's a there's a pretty good bootleg blu-ray release that i've gotten my hands on that i mean it's not like i can honestly say that people should seek it out because it is a it is a bootleg but Mm -hmm. at this point is warner brothers ever going to get off a dime and do this
0: Uh, it's not no no it doesn't look promising so yeah yeah
1: oh my goodness well, uh, before we go, I just wanted to uh, to bring up this one film that I finally uh, watched just just last night. Uh, it's a movie that I've that I had never heard of until it actually came out on Blu-ray, and I, my curiosity got the best of me. It's a it's from 1974, and it starred Michael Caine, and that was enough for me to go, you know, let me let me check this movie out. And I finally popped it open and watched it last night. Just. I I don't know. But my eyes fell on the spine, and you know, and I went, okay, let's let's finally see what this movie is all about. But it's called The Black Windmill. Have you ever seen it?
0: No, I've never heard of it.
1: Honestly, buddy, it is pretty darn great. It's uh, kind of a how would I describe this? A kind of a, it's a it's a British spy crime thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's fascinating. Michael Caine, Donald Pleasant's, uh, Delphine Seyrig, who you might remember, wow, love her,
0: yeah, yeah, right,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Clive Revell, produced and directed by uh, Don Siegel. It's uh, uh, it's got, oh, oh, uh John Vernon. Um, oh
0: man, yeah. you know
1: who, who's always playing? Who's always good at playing a nasty bastard?
0: <laughs> I know, I know. It's, I don't know that he's ever played a likable person in in, <laughs> in any of his career.
1: <laughs> Fam- famous, most famous for that line. I don't even remember the movie anymore. Uh, the, the, go fucking an iceberg.
0: Oh, yeah, God, what was that? Ah,
1: I don't remember okay. the film. I really can't. That's terrible. I can remember the line, <laughs> and I can even picture him saying it, but I can't remember the film. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but a uh, re- really good little movie. Uh, I, was, I I was. There was a period of time in the uh, late 60s through, like, the, I want to say almost the late 70s. It slowed down by the late 70s, where Michael Caine was just making a shit ton of movies, and mm-hmm. Uh, much like James Coburn here in the States where it becomes this thing where there are so many of them that most of them are just kind of lost to the winds. You have to go seeking them out. And, you know, for most of them, you don't even know for every Alfie, they're like, you know, for every Alfie and the Italian job, there are like three other movies that you've never heard of in your life, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this, is, no. this is
1: one of them and it's very, very good.
0: Yeah, cool. I have to search that I seek that out because I love Michael Caine. I watch anything uh, that he's in. I always really, one movie I liked a lot of his that I watched several times over the years was the the fourth protocol.
1: Yeah, that's from the eighties. I mean, that's when he'd slowed down, but he still was producing right. like he was still in like three or four movies a year. I just like it was very yeah. easy to miss some of them. Yeah, but I'll, I'll just I'll just loan you my Blu-ray of this, and then you
0: can yeah, you can, I definitely can, want to watch. You can it
1: check sure. you can check it out that way. It's. Uh, it's, it's weird. There's so many of these movies. There, there was a period of time when I was going through, like I say, I mentioned James Coburn, but I was going mm-hmm. through James Coburn's um, IMDb listings and realizing, holy crap, he was in just <laughs> a lot of really interesting movies in the early 70s when he was, you know, he was considered a very bankable star from, you right. know, about the about the late 60s through the through the mid-70s. And it's like, man, there's a lot of, I mean, like, you know, The President's Analyst and Harry in Your Pocket, just so many different movies in there, just some fun stuff. And the same is definitely true of Michael Caine. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh that's cool, man. I'm glad you include me on. i will be looking forward to, to seeing that one. Okay. Um, and I did want to say one more, actually, something did come to mind. I wanted to say, ask you real quick was because I don't know if we ever really discussed this much, but I've, I've kind of gotten around the t- this time of year here in, in August. I don't know why, I guess just cause it's hot in summer. And, but, uh, I, I tend to want to watch at least do a partial watch or whatever. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, and, yeah. uh, I was wondering what your opinion on that one was. I don't know. Oh, that we loved ever discussed it. That one,
1: absolutely loved it. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I I've, I've, I've wanted to rewatch it, but I, I want to make sure that I'm watching the uh, the longer version of it because I still I haven't rewatched mm-hmm. it since I saw it in the theater.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd like I said, I've seen it two or three times now, and just uh, yeah, just thoroughly enjoy that film. But uh, interesting. Uh, I'm assuming you haven't read the novelization either, or have you?
1: No, not yet.
0: Novelization's interesting because uh, uh, I'll just say that. Most of the novelization is are not things that happen in the movie, which is kind of makes it kind of cool. Uh, most of the things that are the big events in the movie uh, are actually pretty marginalized or barely referenced in the novel. Uh, the novel really spends a lot of time answering a lot of questions about characters that you kind of in the back of your mind after you've seen the movie. Um, and also, um, and, and some of the scenes are ones that were obviously filmed because even the novelization has pictures on the cover and spine in the back that are from scenes that were obviously filmed and never, never used. And so those scenes are in the book. So it's kind of fun after you watch the movie a couple of times, really familiar with it to just read the novelization and just kind of see, it fills in a lot of missing information. So it's pretty fun that way.
1: Cool. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, believe me, it's definitely on my, to read stack, but that stack is gigantic. So.
0: Oh, God, all got me too. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: I, I'm constantly making the mistake of, you know, being in the middle of, uh, uh, two two different pieces of fiction, three different pieces of non-fiction and at least one, if not more, comic book collections. You know, there are you know little <laughs> bookmarks stuck yeah. in everything. So.
0: Oh God, yeah, I've always got three or four things going at once, reading at once, going myself. So.
1: Oh, it's that uh, it's that knowledge that if I just concentrated, I could like mm-hmm. finish one of these things and get it out of the yeah. way faster, and then of course add another one to the pile. You know, and then go, oh well, good, yeah. and I pluck that, <laughs> we'll pluck another one off the pile, and keep going.
0: <laughs> I know I have books stashed in so many places that I just can reach and, you know, and, and read a little bit of that. I, yeah, I was, you know, kind of picture myself like, you know, walking through a house. And there's kind of like a book, random book on every shelf, you know, that you put you pick up to read to get you to the next point in the house. And you put it up, pick up another book, you know, it's like yeah. you're going down. It's like you're going down your stairs. You know, you've got stairs. You've got one at the top of the stairs. You read it till you get to the bottom of the stairs, and then you pick up (laughs) some kind of thing.
1: (laughs) Oh well, what's terrible is like there's a book I'm reading while I'm at work on lunch break, which is on the you know on the Kindle on my phone, and then there's there's the physical book that I'm reading. And then there, you know, like I said, all the nonfiction, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, <laughs> it's madness itself. I, uh, anyway. Uh, and then of course, you know, there's the stack of recent comic books. I just picked up the first two issues of this, this Hawk, the Slayer sequel comic book series.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, that sounds, yeah. that's a great idea in itself. <laughs> oh,
1: it's a completely crazed idea. I wrote a piece on the, on the blog about it a couple months ago. Um was finally able this weekend to to pick up the first two the first two issues. It's a five issue little miniseries, and just the fact that there is a sequel comic book series to Hawk the Slayer, one of the most impoverished yeah. sword and sorcery <laughs> films made in the nineteen eighties. Uh, it's it's, it's it, and the, and the fact that for some psychotic reason I picked the fucking film up on Blu-ray there is something wrong with me that's for sure.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll do Hundra next. Would be good. So I
1: love I, I still have the the DVD uh, special edition of Hundra. I it, yeah I, I like Hundra more than I like Hawk the Slayer. I got to be
0: honest with oh, you. Yeah, me too, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, one yeah.
1: my god, one day, one day I will justify all this uh, Hawk the Slayer. Uh, information stuffed into my head by doing a podcast about it and uh, <laughs> the world the world will shudder yes <laughs> All right, well, Troy, thank you very much yeah, for uh, sitting down in front of your computar and allowing me to uh, to, to go back and forth with you about these uh, these emails. And uh, we just want to encourage everyone that uh, if you want to send your email to us, the address is pit at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, write us with your uh, ideas, your contributions. your uh, If you ever interviewed any filmmaker that we've been talking about on the podcast, yeah. send us that information. Let us know what you thought. And uh, yeah, we would, uh, we'd be thrilled about it.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad that uh, I was home after you went through the list of all your other co-hosts and they were all unavailable. You know, I'm glad to uh, <laughs>
1: Like I say, you're <laughs> the one that picked up the phone, buddy.
0: <laughs> no, that was fun, man. Uh, enjoyed it. And thanks, everybody. Yes, thanks, everybody, for reading and giving us the questions, answer, and tangents to go off on.
1: Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Uh, once again, I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we will talk to you again soon, hopefully We'll be talking about an actual film instead of just, you know, emails.
0: Thanks, folks.